Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about hot topics and research articles. Our topic today is, what's new? Hot topics number 66. Doctors are urged to prescribe more exercise. Alarmed by our overwhelmingly sedentary and unhealthy population, healthcare leaders are calling on physicians to routinely prescribe exercise. So walk, walk, walk. Vaccination rates fall off, imperiling Biden's July 4th goal. Looking to tackle prescription overload. Older adults often take more medications than they need or than is safe. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. How are you, D? Vicki, how how are you? I'm good. I am good too. We've been having this good weather. <laughs> I know. I hope it holds out for a minute. Hope it I holds out. I saw your house the other day, and I saw your your as usual show <laughs> house. The little flowers, all like an inch apart. I mean, like a little inch. I mean, it's all professional. I was like, all right, go ahead. Yeah, we get our little flowers and things, and then the- I loved it. It looked fabulous. Well, thank you. I wish I'd had somebody professional to do mine because mine are looking all every switching way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got all everything kind of way. But yours look beautiful. They look fabulous. Well, thank you. We were looking for the deer this year, but he, but the guy said that he kind of spray a little something on it. That oh. that smell. It's like a garlic smell. So think about this. Deer, Baba, they chew your they chew your flowers up. The deers, hell yeah, we got a pot over there. Oh, I didn't realize that. So they come and eat up your plants. Oh, yeah, they enjoy. Every year we got a little pot, and they just go and chew and then be looking at me, looking at them in the window, (laughs) and they go back and chew. Oh, no. But this time, this time he got this concoction that has like, you know, it's still natural, but it's like garlic stuff. And yeah, and it works because... I guess oh. they don't like that smell of that garlic. So he planted everything and then sprayed everything with the garlic. Isn't that something? Oh, good. And they're not eating. That's great. 
Mm-hmm. They're not eating. So that was good because usually we would have to plant the stuff twice. Well, yeah, that's what I, I mean, I didn't realize, it, but I know with tulips, I've barely been able to grow any tulips around here because they dig up the bulbs and stuff. Oh, yeah, they love that. Mm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's some garlic concoction, and it works. All right, well, good. Yeah, that's that. It's summertime. Yes, it is, right? It is. Mm-hmm. It is. It is summertime. You know, we only have two more weeks, and then the days will start to get short. Yeah, they start to get back short. I know. I know. Wow. That quick. Oh, well, we'll enjoy while we can enjoy. That's it. That's what we'll do. Yep. That's exactly what we'll do. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new. Hot topics number 66. Walk, walk, walk. Now is the time. Now is the time to get out there and walk. Walk in the park. Walk in place at home or in the office as you do work. Whatever, however you do it. We all need to get more exercise. And now that the weather up here in Northeast Ohio allows us to, we definitely need to get more exercise in. Now, research shows that healthcare leaders, they are alarmed by our overwhelmingly sedentary and unhealthy population. And so they're calling on physicians and their industry to routinely prescribe exercise in general, most especially walking. And that's because most everybody can walk. The Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, recommends that clinicians follow several recommended guidelines to integrate physical activity counseling into their practices. And it is also encouraged that health fitness professionals partner with healthcare clinicians in helping folks follow their advice in promoting physical activity. We will talk more about this later in the show, along with our other articles that we will be talking about this show. What do you have to say about that, Dee? Well, I've always been a proponent, you know, now that I can't run, I think walking, as everybody says, is one of the best exercises. You're not doing all that pounding. Mm Mm-hmm. And now is the time for people to start getting back out, you know, with, with it's, you know, we're all wearing our masks still in certain situations, but I think getting out by yourself, you can easily socially distance and it's just good exercise it's all good. around. It's good exercise all around. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, we'll talk about some, a, a few guidelines as well. Now, make sure you subscribe to this podcast show. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. And when you subscribe to this show, you will be notified when we post a new show. And you will be able to listen to our inspirational and motivational health and wellness shows as soon as they are posted. So go subscribe today and share Tell your friends and family to do the same as well. We want you to do that because, yes, we are scheduling guests to come on our show. And I was just telling Dr. D today that we just received our books in the mail from a guest who's scheduled to come on our show in July. And her book is called Love to Lose, Love Your Life and Watch the Weight Lose Itself. 
and it's Camille Martin. She's a registered dietitian, and she will talk with us about losing weight and living a life of health and wellness. And she stresses that losing weight isn't hard. We make it hard. And so I totally agree with that. So we cannot wait to talk with her, and she will be coming on the show. And right now, like I said, we are trying to reach out to guests. She reached out to us. And so, yes, we can't wait until she comes on our show. What do you say, D, to that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I want to know. I know. And her book is so pretty. I'll, I'll drop it off to you today. But it's okay. It's sure. pink. It's pink. And it's, it's beautiful. Hey. Yeah. Because she wants to encourage. She said that she really wants to encourage our women, you know, about how important it is to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Right. So she'll be coming on our show as well. And so, yes, we have other guests lined up. So make sure you subscribe to our show. It's all about health and wellness. Well, it's all about health and fitness. That's the show. I don't change the name. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. It's all the same. Right? It's all about. It means the same. That's it. That's what I said. But no, it's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness. So stay in the loop, y'all. Subscribe and you will be able to hear all of our wonderful guests that we have coming up soon. And what do we always say, D? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Yeah, D, I was just telling you that, yeah, this was the first time since COVID, and you know, I'm always in Columbus, but this was the first time that I visit. Yeah, my parents, Natalie, and everyone in Columbus, it's it's been over a year. And that's something. It's been that long. Wow. Well, I guess for me, I was the same. I went down to North Carolina. I hadn't been there since October. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We were always in Columbus. Always in Columbus. So, yeah, that was something. So, I did a lot of FaceTime and Zoom and everything else. (laughs) So, now. So, now I got a chance to to actually go and then Natalie she couldn't wait to take me to this really nice black owned restaurant it's called the Royce uh-huh it's very uh-huh. nice you go inside very nice and they have different places that you can eat you can eat outside we ate in uh-huh. like the patio part that was enclosed but they had the windows open but some people were actually outside and then in the restaurant you know it had the booths and stuff but it was it was really nice it's it's a part of it's on the Polaris campus you know where the mall is and and Uh all of that but yeah the Royce good food too yeah good food okra and black eyed peas okay okay Uh you know what I'm talking about yeah I do you know speaking of that food have you started watching on Netflix high on the hog yes isn't it awesome it's awesome and you mentioned okra I had no idea how entrenched okra was Africa and African American cuisine mostly African cuisine yeah. I mean, you know, I love me some okra because I'm from North, I'm down from North Carolina, but uh-huh. there was a lot of conversation about okra and soups and this, that, and the other, right? Yes. And I loved it too because you cook soup, don't you? All the time. You cook okra 
okra and that's what i was watching it with natalie this weekend that's how we were um, sharing time together this weekend when i was there in columbus and she was like have you watched how on the hog i said i've been wanting to watch it let's watch it yeah she saw the the main dish it, it's because i cook it all the time you know i always cook the spinach stew you know we call it spinach soup but it's more of a stew but i cook okra like that as well i put the the onions and the tomato and stuff like that and do it the same way and so and then we put it over rice or what have you sometimes i put chicken in it or what have you natalie was excited she was like oh my god i say yeah you know a lot of stuff that we cook and we just talked about it by the way everybody's looking at our remember we did the food black food culture food and culture with um, isaac so a lot of people, yes. oh yeah, a lot of people are watching that because I posted on Facebook and all of that our bonus show, and we were talking about. Remember how we were talking about that a lot of the foods, the collard greens and the kale and the okra and stuff, we brought with us. We we know how to yes. eat. We know how to eat right. And did you see her? She was discussing the difference between a yam and yeah. Potato. People think those are the same. They're not. They're not. Yeah, you're right. Yes, yes. Yams are different. They're different from sweet potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just fascinated. Yes. I, see, I watched the first one and the second. Yeah, and I'm going to um, go back. I'm going to go back because I didn't finish. them again. Yeah, I'm going to go back again and I'm going to finish some because I went to sleep, you know, if I if I be looking too I long. I did too on the first one. I did too. And I had to go back and do it all over again. But it was just the guy who's the narrator. Great. And then they go to North Carolina, my neck of the woods. Yes. I love it. Yes. So I'm going to look at it. In fact, I'm going to look at it again tonight because I really, I really love that. How they went back, you know, to slavery and just the whole thing. Yes. So it was a good history lesson too. Fabulous history lesson. A wonderful history lesson. What was your week like then, Dee? Well, I um, really didn't do very much. I went out on Lake Atwood with a friend, and we took the little boat out. I just kind of got out, you know, looking around at the elements and stuff. You know, actually, one of the pictures that I took down at Atwood Lake made the women's art show. Okay. Called Sunset After Sunset Away from Cold. Okay. So down there, you know, there was just a lot of good photography. But it was a nice day and stuff like that. So I did that. And then what else did I do? Mm -hmm. I went to the Canton Museum of Art. Okay. Had a new, I'm on the Board of Trustees there. And they had a new exhibition. Okay. And some photography. And that was really good. And then really not too much else. Tried to start reading some summer books. I know. Backed up. I know. Really so way behind on reading my book. Mm-hmm. So way behind. I done told you what to do. Good books out there. I just got to, I, I really got to step my game up and start doing more reading. But I done told you what to do. Y'all better be putting that stuff on audio. Y'all listen. I know. That's what you keep 
understand. Yeah, because every time I order an audio book. Yeah, every time I order an actual book, because I like looking at the books, they're so pretty, I go, let me order it on audio too, because I know me, I'm not going to finish it. I'll get the reading and I won't finish it. And so what I'll do is when I'm traveling, that's why I like um, traveling to Columbus because I put my I either put my podcast show on or an audio book. And oh, my God, it just is. I love I love that. Mm -hmm. I got to start doing more of that as well. Yes. What is going on this week? Everything. (laughs) Everything, Vicki. Everything. Yeah, well, you know, I started out talking about the health tips, doctors urge to prescribe more exercise. And then this was the Idea Fitness Journal. And it was it was written, this article was written 2016, but they kept talking about it now. They kept re-talking re about it now because a lot of people, and you know, a lot of people are coming out now. They're going to visit yeah. their doctors for wellness now because they they weren't doing it with, you know, with the COVID. But people taking their vaccinations now and the doctors are seeing people more face to face. And what are they complaining about? All this weight they done gained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. During the pandemic. Very. Yeah, they doing the, the COVID-20, the COVID-20, right? And some people done got 30. Now, that was a lot of eating. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. so we are encouraging people as health fitness professionals, we're encouraging people to walk. So this particular article is talking about how physicians are joining us and they're prescribing walking. You know, doctors urge to prescribe more exercise. Alarmed by our overwhelmingly um, sedentary and unhealthy population, population healthcare leaders are calling on physicians and their industry to routinely prescribe exercise in general and walking in particular. For example, the Journal of the American Medical Association, and this article was written back in 2015, but it is relevant today because these were the recommendations that they wanted clinicians to do, and these are the guidelines, to integrate physical activity counseling into their practices. And so the first one, make physical activity a vital sign at each clinical visit. Number two, ask if the patient exercises regularly or engages in physical activity. Number three, associate physical activity with reduced risk of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and many cancers. Number four, write a prescription for an agreed upon. That means you're talking about it with your your patients. An agreed upon daily physical activity. Number five, encourage use of a pedometer and advise record keeping. Number six, last but not least, recognize successes and encourage reluctant adopters. Encourage them to embrace physical activity. And it also goes on to say, in helping people follow the advice of clinicians who are promoting physical activity, 
fitness professionals can get involved and they can be excellent partners with the clinicians. For example, a fitness professional could partner with a healthcare provider to offer a turnkey walking program to patients who, based on the screening by the physician, measures, you know, such as physical activity with the vital signs or found um, to engage in low levels of physical activity by the physician. And so they can be referred to by the physician to the fitness professionals that have something like a walking program. The principal challenge is that evidence suggests most people, people's walking programs, you know, even if they're encouraged to walk, their walking programs will not have enough intensity and duration to meet the physical activity recommendation. And so that's why people need the help of their health fitness professionals who can inspire them to become more active and producing better outcomes across a variety of health conditions. And so this was written in the Idea Fitness Journal, and we're referring back to that and encouraging, yeah, encouraging physicians to think about that when they're when their folks are coming in for their wellness check and referring. I always refer a lot of folks that ask me, you know, I always refer them to actual exercise physiologists, and then also they can, you know, sign up for our step-by-step weight loss boot camp program. But yeah, people are complaining and they're finding out, oops, when they get on that scale in the doctor's office that they I done, know they done gained some pounds. I have to I have to say full disclosure and the doctors need to get on it too because I have to full disclosure. I think I probably have a couple more bricks onto the brick house than I before <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I like to think of myself as the bush house. I probably added a couple more bricks. <laughs> so I'm out there trying to get little some brick my doggone self. I need it while they talk to their patients. They might want to look here for a second. Okay, I'm just saying full disclosure. So the truth will set Free. The truth will set you free. About. Look, we are all in this together. Free. What they say, we are all in <laughs> all this together. Full disclosure, a couple more bricks here and there. That's what I told Nate. I was like, shoot, Nate, I got to, you know, up it up a notch, you know, she. I got to, that's why I'm in the gym swimming. I'm like, <laughs> like working out for the Olympics. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I was telling Nate, shoot that that dance, you know, that was more for me than the students to keep me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. You know, I'm just trying to be real and try to. That's keep, it. Just trying to keep it real. Just trying to so keep it real. Our patients, you might want to slide over and look in the mirror yourself, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because you can't be talking to me about losing weight and walking if I know there's a couple extra bricks here. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm saying. That's uh, it. That's it. Look, we can't we can't be surprised if our patients or our clients give us the side eye when we talking about what we need to do. <laughs> exactly. 
Look at us sidewinder like, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> right. Maybe you should follow some of your advice. Maybe you should follow some of your own advice, doctor. <laughs> I'm saying. Exactly what I'm saying. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Guess what? Serena loses at the French Open. How I know. I was so upset. I mean, you know, she, I thought she had a good, clear mm-hmm. pathway to get there because some of the top, Osaka was gone. Mm-hmm. Marty was gone. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, she can certainly make a clear ascent to the top, but I don't even know the young lady who beat her. Had you ever heard of her? Begu? Her name was B-E-G-U? No, no. I don't know a lot of these tennis players. Do you? No. And then Nate said, though, Nate said that Serena's coach told her that she was not fit for this, you know, this tennis, the French Open. Yeah. He told her not to go in, but she went on in anyhow. So sometimes, you know, you think she she probably just did it so that she wouldn't get out of her um, her momentum, but she probably knew that she wasn't going to win. But yeah, he told her she wasn't fit. Wow. Mm -hmm. She need to get more fit for this one. Yeah. So yeah. Especially with well, you know, Serena has kind of been, I don't know, I mean, her level of fitness has been waxing and waning. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. We talk about, you know, uh, having more weight and being fit, but sometimes, it's not my call, but it just seems to me sometimes Serena might want to get a little bit more fit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, thinner. Thinner a little bit because and, and more muscular because she's she's and more muscular because she is very muscular anyway. So muscular and and she does when she's on her game. You'll see her workouts and stuff. It's a lot of uh, building muscles and everything because that's what yeah. that's what makes her strong. But yeah, exactly. she, she has her kids and stuff. Her her little one. So you know that takes right. a lot of time too, trying to be with them. Sure. Yeah, and then she has to train. Trying to be a wife, well, you know, all of that wife, mother, the whole bit, and she's got a, you know, I think she's got a business. She and Venus are in together with businesses and stuff like that. That takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of time, and even with training for for that, for to be a to stay <laughs> elite like that, she, you got to be. Yeah. Your your body got to be toned and and ready. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. remember, Serena is her first, when was her first she won the U.S. Open? Yeah. It's, 2001, 2001. Was it 2001? Okay, so it's way bit, yeah. So, she's 20 years ago, and she's now competing with girls that are maybe 20 years younger. Oh, I know. So after a while, the body breaks down. I mean, look at Federer. I think Federer had to leave, didn't he? I don't think Federer's in it anymore. No, because, uh, yeah, because they all had those injuries. You know, they had yeah. some serious injuries. You're playing at that level. Mm-hmm. Injuries. And as you get older, you cannot run away from your age. No, you can't. But you say you cannot run away from your age. And when she's at that level of that in Mm-hmm. carrying that much weight around even mm-hmm. if it is muscle you know you still got wear and tear on your joints you got wear and tear on your joints and past injuries you know how you never really and truly healed up <laughs> exactly and past injuries so when you put all of that together mm-hmm. so to come out and play your your top 
game and you up against a 19-year-old, you can't out, you cannot outrun your age. There's no way. That's it. And then you don't want to permanently injure yourself. Right. Where you can't even walk and stuff. And you, yeah. So sometimes at one point, yeah. sometimes at one point, you just got to know you want to keep healthy and you got to know when to back out, pull out. and pull out. Yeah. Yeah. You got to pull out. Mm-hmm. But she's still the goat now. She's still the goat. Yeah. No question about that at all. No question at all about, uh, about that at all. That's it. There's no question about that. She is still the goat, but she got to take care of herself too, right? She does. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see her go out with a bunch of injuries and stuff like that, you know, end up with a knee replacement and all this, that, and the other. And, you know, 10 years from now, she can barely walk. I know. Having to have hip replacements and knee replacements and all, that's not fun. No, it's not. No, no. Mm-mm. Well, the, no. the next thing that's on there, and I'll talk a little bit about that, you know, it's very interesting. And I saw this, too, when we were in... Uh, Columbus, and it's probably a lot, a lot around here, but it seemed like the employers are putting all kinds of incentives for folks to come back and work. I guess people are saying, oh. they're saying, we kind of like staying home and being with our kids and having our side hustle going on. And well, it- I've heard, and as you get into that article, and I mean, I don't want to cast any dispersions or anything on anybody, but you know, People really like getting those stimulus checks. Yes, they do. And they got stimulus checks for each child and this, that, among other. And people were finding out, mm-hmm. this is not my opinion, mm-hmm. that they were finding out that, you know, they didn't have to go on and work for $2 an hour. That's it. So then you got these people now, I think they're saying, oh, Amazon, and we'll read on how they starting to raise. And I was like, yeah, they should have raised their, their pay and do and all this in the first place now they seeing now that uh it's really about the labor it's about the people because at the end of the day you can't do you got you got a lot of machines and things but you can't do a lot of things right now without the people so you better go ahead and pay no question better go ahead and pay no question yeah so the article says from appetizers to tuition incentives to job seekers grow and this was written in the the new york times and it says employers are finding ways to get applicants in the door and to retain employees once they're hired college subsidies for children and spouses free rooms for summer hotel employees and a set of knives for aspiring culinary um, workers and appetizers on the house for anyone willing to sit down for a restaurant job interview determined to lure new employees and retain existing ones in a suddenly hot job market employers are turning to new incentives that go beyond traditional monetary rewards in some cases the offerings include the potential to reshape career paths like college scholarships and guaranteed admissions to management training programs despite an unemployment rate of 5.8 percent in may the sudden reopening a vast swaths of the economy has left companies scrambling for workers as summer approaches, especially in the service sector. What's more, in many cases, the inducements are on top of increase 
increases in hourly pay. The, the result is a cornucopia of new benefits as human resources officers and employees alike rethink what makes for a compelling compensation package. And in a um, path-breaking move, some businesses are extending educational benefits to families of employees. The labor market was relatively tight before the pandemic struck in early 2020 with an unemployment rate of 3.5%. But the rise of Non-cash offerings is a new wrinkle. Many large companies find themselves pitted against other giants in the search for workers with similar types of skills and experience and want to step out, especially in the rush to staff back up after the pandemic. If you move on, it talks about this waste management company. The person, the chief officer, I think her name is Tamla. She says, we, know, we knew we had to do something radically different to make waste management attractive when you have other companies looking for the same type of worker. There is such a war for talent that compensation isn't a, a differentiator. We can never have too many drivers, she said. When you think about Amazon or Walmart, we're going after the same population. And so the company will pay for employees to earn bachelor's and associate degrees as well as certificates in areas like data anal um, um, analytics and business management. In a significant expansion, waste management will begin offering these scholarships to spouses and children of workers this year for enrollment in January. We can do something that really changes people's lives. This was said by Jim Fish. He's a waste management chief executive. For someone with kids in high school, this is a big deal. With the nation's largest meat packer, they began offering to pay for college degrees for its 66,000 workers, as well as one child per employee in March. And so, yeah, we're looking at all these things. F floor workers earn $21 an hour with salaries raising to $30 an hour. They doing all kinds of stuff when we, yeah, you can further read the article. But, yeah, they doing all kinds of incentives uh, now. <laughs> Isn't that something? Unbelievable. Tuition and all of that. Well, I mean, you know, this, this millennial group is a whole nother different breed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're they not running out, you know, interested in running out there, hitting the bricks from eight to, you know, eight to five or whatever. I know. Um, and these employees are going to, are having to make, you know, compensations and stuff like that because, you know, gone are the, the people that are in our age group and your age group. Mm-hmm. you know, they're like, nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, they doing that, that, what is it, the work-life balance now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's not something that I really talked about. I mean, when we were going into medicine, you better not talk about, well, how many days do we have off and how much vacation do we have? <laughs> that was one way to not get a fellowship. Because <laughs> nobody wanted to hear that. And you talked about some life balance. That meant you didn't want to work. You would end up being a slacker, and nobody wanted you. Right. But now... Now, that's the first question. How much vacation do I get? How many days off do I get? What's my call? That's it. I mean, for doctors, and I'm curious to saying with other professions. With other professions, with, with in the academy, 
now you know right you know a lot of folks you know even though yeah people want tenured but they're thinking about okay hmm I'd rather kind of just be able to just teach or just do research or, yeah. Right, Vicki. So I can have more time with my family. Yep, yep. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep, in the business now, people taking, which I thought was very interesting because in academia, you know, you take that sabbatical, you know, you be off for maybe a year, but you're doing research. But now businesses and entrepreneurs now are doing sabbaticals even if it's six months or whatever and they making stuff automated or having a team while they take time off from work which i thought was very interesting yeah so yeah you're right that work-life balance now that's big time and since people were forced to take time off and work from home and do all kinds of things they Uh some people kind of like that didn't they (laughs) they do get used to it yeah they're getting used to it, where they go in. Another different culture. A whole nother different culture. They want to go in for a little bit. I call it hybrid. Exactly. You want to you wanna do face-to-face it's- for a little bit and do remote for another bit. <laughs> yeah, in fact, who was that had a backlash? It was one of these Silicon Valley companies where, I can't remember. Oh, Apple, Apple. Okay. Apple people were, you know, trying to mute me because Apple supposedly has not been the greatest to their employees anyway. Right. And so, you know, during COVID, people were working from home and stuff like that. So Apple now has asked their, you know, workers to come back to work and this and that and this and that. And they're like, no, we don't want to. Mm. So so they're kind of like, you know, rising up against the the big Apple. And that's something. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people are liking, you know, this change. And yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. It's going to be. A, it's gonna I know. I hope Zoom continues because I don't care if I ever do another face-to-face meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I love Zoom. Having to drive all across town and this, that, and the other, you know, for this, that, and the other meeting or drive down to this place or whatever. Make meetings very, uh, very, very different. Right. So, right. And with Zoom, you don't waste a lot of time because people have a set amount of time for that Zoom call. That's it. So there's not a lot of lollygagging. Not a lot of lollygagging. And what's so what's so interesting is that, you know, now that stuff is getting ready to open up for the summer and, and people starting to call me to come out. I told Nate, hmm, I don't know if I'm ready yet for people to be breathing I on me yet. Hmm, I don't know. Right? <laughs> oh. That's something to think about. I know. Because, you know, like I tell people, don't start doing victory laps yet with this COVID situation. I know. It's not over. It's so not over. Because mask mandate has been lifted. You just still better understand that the virus is still around. It's still here. It's still here. You better believe that. Still here. Yeah. Okay, so what's the latest, D? You got a few articles. Well, yeah, a couple couple articles here. Vaccination rates fall off, imperiling Biden's July the 4th gold. The last mile of delivering coronavirus shots has become a marathon. And Biden, President Biden gave a speech last week about his July the 4th goal and become a marathon with health officials showing up at stores, parks, factories to entice people who might not go to vaccination. So plummeting vaccination rates have turned what officials hope would be the last mile of the coronavirus immunization campaign into a marathon, threatening President Biden's goal of getting shots 
to 70% of adults by July the 4th. The United States is averaging fewer than a million shots per day. In fact, I think yesterday, was it in Ohio? They had, they, there was some J&J, they had to throw away like 23,000 vaccines or some order, order of magnitude like that because they didn't have people to take them. I know, I know. There's a decline of more than two-thirds from the peak of three to four, 3.4 million in April, according to the Washington Post seven-day analysis, even though all adults and children over 12 now are eligible. Mm-hmm. All armies of health workers and volunteers often outnumber the people showing up to get the shot. Wow. The country from there's a, a drive through site in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a gymnasium in Provo, Utah, and a park in my hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The slowdown is national with every state down at least two thirds in its peak and particularly felt across the South and Midwest. That's Ohio too. Mm-hmm. 12 states, including Utah, Oklahoma, Montana, the Dakotas, and West Virginia, have seen vaccinations fall below 15 daily shots per 10,000 residents. Alabama had just four people per 10,000. Now, you know, that's ridiculous. That is. Donated last week. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But the picture varies considerably across the country. 13 mostly east and west coast states have already vaccinated 70% of adults. And additional 15 states plus D.C. are over 60% and will likely reach Biden's goal. The rest are lagging behind Tennessee and Five other states are at 50% or below, and vaccinating at such rate, low rate, vaccinating at such low rate mm-hmm. means that they probably may not uh, reach that threshold. Mm-hmm. Peak decline began in mid-April, coinciding with federal officials' temporary suspension of the J&J vaccine while they probe rare blood clotting, blood clotting reactions. That slowdown has continued with only 2.4 million adults getting their first shot Last week, officials must get a first dose to 4.2 million adults per week. So polls have found that about one-third of Americans, get this, have no immediate plan to get vaccinated. Mm. With some holdouts saying their skepticism had intensified over time and others arguing the issue was moot because the pandemic had re- has receded in the United States. That's what I'm saying. People are taking victory laps here. Mm. Health experts say... The nation needs widespread immunity to prevent a resurgence. The slowdown has prompted a flurry of advertising, lotteries, promotion, the win over holdouts, mm. even as the list of incentives for people getting shot has ballooned almost to the point of parity. West Virginia officials are offering a chance to win rifles. Today, I put on Facebook, Washington State is offering marijuana joints. Yeah, I saw that. Multiple businesses are offering free beer. Budweiser's offering beer, donuts. Residents of several states now compete for million-dollar cash prizes and special lotteries. Full disclosure, I signed up, too. Mm. My name is John tonight. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) recognizing the challenge and the risk of missing the goal, Biden officials have mobilized thousands of organizations and volunteers. We need to bring the vaccines to where people are and answer the question. So as the article goes on, and this is something that I talked about a long time ago, is that the White House announced a month of asking with an array of incentives, including partial partnerships with black-owned barbershops and salons. And I said, this is what worked with the hypertension project. Hypertension nurses and doctors into barbershops and salons of African-American individuals. You go to where the people are. Mm-hmm. Lined up celebrities, Sierra, Russell Wilson, Comedians, Jesus, Romero, I don't even know who they are. Okay. Trumpet pro-vaccination messages, uh, White House folks 
said, beyond the political stakes, public health officials say achieving immunity remains essential. we got to do it. Yes. Reaching that goal is also thought to be necessary to prevent, again, a resurgence. So if Biden's goal is met, it will be due to the sustained effort of health officials in places like Chattanooga, where more than half of the country's 370,000 residents are unvaccinated. And we talked about the drive-through clinics and all, but it's only the clinic operated by the county mm-hmm. in Tennessee, which administered as many as 16,000 doses per week across three sites in February, but it's down to just 1,500 shots per week. Mm-hmm. Officials are opting instead for smaller targeted pop-ups, like temporary sites. At the, there was a music festival in Chattanooga last week and a popular Hispanic supermarket. So you got to go to where the people are. Yes. Again, skipping on a little bit, Mm -hmm. officials in Utah are making similar trade-offs. Fewer than a third of people in this predominantly young and conservative-leaning community are fully vaccinated among the lowest in the state. Yet Mm. health officials who once maintained that four vaccination locations are cutting back to just a single large one, a gym in a Mm. former high school, Mm. centrally located provost, staffed by Russell three dozen health department workers and volunteers on a recent Wednesday. Instead, they're increasingly relying on mobile units intended to target underserved communities. Mm. Moving on, health providers in Oklahoma, where 54% of adults have gotten one shot, also have seen demand close to a triple. Mm. Greg Clyde, a bowtie-wearing independent pharmacist in Oklahoma City, said that when he began administering coronavirus vaccines in February, he was inundated. Hundreds of phone calls. You remember those days? Yes. So much so that he invested in a new phone system. He spent about $5,000 on new equipment, freezer, and extra refrigerator, and all this stuff, waiting, you know, for people to come in for their vaccines, and it slowed down. Why do you think it slowed down? Because of the J&J? I'm looking around. Well, I think part of the problem is that these mask mandates have been lifted, lifted, giving a message to people, ah, it's over. Ah. We're not, again, seeing the, the massive messenger campaign out there to tell people, okay, well, your mask may be lifted, but you still need to be careful. The coronavirus is out there. And if you notice the news around here, mm-hmm. too, you know, and, and any time that I'm interviewed, which is frequent, I'm always saying you've still got to wear your mask in certain situations. And I outline those situations, but I think, you know, people have just thrown caught their tired, and they feel, well, I don't have to get vaccinated because Johnny across the street is getting vaccinated, so I'll be protected. Right. Well, in some respect, that may be true, but 80% of the population has to be vaccinated so that if you're unvaccinated, you'll be safe. It's not just going to happen because you're not, you're not going to take the vaccine. Right. So I just think that the messaging has been lagging behind, you know, these governors taking you know, the, the lifting these mask mandates for people. And people have just said, ah, I'm not going to do it. And they're tired of the, their numbers, tired of this. Everybody's just basically tired. So, mm-hmm. you know, in ending this article, it goes on and on, the same story in just different cities. It's June the 9th. Okay. We've got about four weeks to go. And I don't see us making it because... And, and let's just say this, because this is one thing that they did not drill down on, which I was talking to somebody the other day. I think I did a news interview okay. on still vaccine hesitancy in the minority community. Mm-hmm. If you look at the numbers 
of African Americans in most states. I think I picked the state where I thought they might be better, like Massachusetts. Like Ohio, only 30 to 35%, of, no, 30%, 30 plus and some change, African Americans are vaccinated. About 35% of Latinos are vaccinated. Let that sink in. And that was just last week. The numbers for African Americans and people of color are abysmal. Oh, I know. And so mm-hmm. abysmal. I, even in, with friends and family, I still have folks that oh, well, I'm just not going to get it. You know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not going to. I mean, just full disclosure, friends and family of mine. Oh, of course. My well, friends, some well, of my friends, some of my family. Oh, I'm not, not going to get it. I, you know, I don't get it. Yeah. So what can you do? Now, if they're not going to get it, and I'm infectious disease specialist on the news all the time talking about it on podcasts with Vicky Doe Fitness talking <laughs> about it, what else can you do? I know. And we talk about it, Natalie. You know, they had their little. You saw their their spill and their yeah. yeah, and their panel and stuff. Yeah. 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 Even my folks, my folks. These are educated people, Vicky. Right. Talking about people that are oh well, you know, they can't read. They don't. No. No. Are highly educated people. Well, I'm just not going to get. It. Yeah. Well, I'm just waiting. I said, well, what the hell are you waiting just, for? Right. What are you waiting for? For for you to get something? Because you cool until you hit the wall. Exactly. Like they say, everybody's, like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's got a plan. Until you get punched in the face. That's how quickly we group. Okay. That's it. It is this. What are you waiting for? to get punched in the face i know i know i'm gonna wait yeah I, and i hear that too well i'm just gonna wait I, there's just not enough information well i mean <laughs> what, what 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 else do you want well you know and i mean people have more reasons to not get vaccinated than the law allows i know some of this stuff comes from i honestly do not know where some of this stuff comes from or the conspiracy. You you should have seen, you know, me and my, oh my. Me and my friend Gina, we were talking about, she said she been hearing, because, you know, we, we're we vaccinated and we we rushed in there to make sure. She said she be hearing people talking about, yeah, well, you know, Bill Gates, you know, he got that shot, you know, and it's going to be some chip in you. They got some micro chip in you. And it's like, uh, I don't, I'm. I'm like this. I don't think Bill Gates really give a you know what where you are. Well, he got a mail ch- a, a, a chip in there. Trust me, ain't nobody trying to figure out where you at. <laughs> Interesting. So I'm just saying to you, 
It's across the board. Yes, it is. And that's kind of, that's terrible because like Nate said, getting COVID-19 is like a crapshoot. You don't know what, how it's going to affect you. Exactly. Exactly. You can think that you're the most healthiest person ever. Yep. And it will take you down. It'll take you down. So it will take you down. So I'm not trying to risk that. No, me either. Nope. Mm. So there it is. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Yep. Yep. It's interesting how people, yeah, these are these are some of my colleagues. They tell me, I'm going to wait. Oh, what the hell are you waiting for? Right. These are highly educated people. Mm-hmm. No. So there it yeah, is. Everybody's got a plan so they get punched in the <laughs> <laughs> We always got to remember that. Right. Wait. Y'all keep waiting. See what happens. You just want to keep waiting. Okay. Keep, keep waiting. That's it. That's keep it. waiting. Fine. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our on-site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 66. And speaking of which, I was looking at an article at first we were going to talk about, and it was really asking the question that, most people are asking because, you know, these restrictions are up and things are opening up. People are trying to figure out how safe is, you know, how safe is the gym? And so I have the latest one. It is in the USA Today. And the article is, is called, it says, should you wear a face mask? Because that's the, the question too. Okay, how safe is the gym? And when I get there, should I wear a face mask? And so should you wear a face mask to the gym? They're talking about that the same thing that makes going to a fitness center safer from COVID-19 also makes the exercise experience decidedly worse. You know, as gyms open up across the country, we need to talk about masks, right? So Florida, Texas, Georgia, Tennessee, Arizona, Indiana, and, and Ohio, they're welcoming, they're welcoming the gym goers back. So many fitness studios and um, gym chains encourage 
patrons, yeah, come back, but wear your mask while you work out. And so the face coverings are among a slew of precautions, including temperature checks. They're still doing smaller class sizes. They're doing sanitation of the stations and socially distanced machines and all of that to minimize the potential exposure to those that that affects more than now it's 2 million Americans. People do need to. Right. Yeah. So they're saying that people do need to wear the material that covers their nose and mouth when they uh, um, right. when they want to breathe heavily. Yeah, they still need to do that. They still need to stay apart. In the gym, the, the CDC still recommends that if you're inside, that you still should wear at least a cloth mask. Right. Yeah. Because working indoors, working out indoors is more dangerous than outside. And so they said that we know that it's safer outside uh, where the chance of spreading disease is much, much less. And this was said by one of the physicians, a former CDC medical officer. Even before Jim started opening, masks were a divisive topic among the runners, the hikers and walkers during lockdown. And so outdoor out exercisers weren't as obligated to cover up because of the aerosolized droplets that could carry the coronavirus are swept away a lot quicker when they um, quicker than if they were indoors. But yes, even so inside the doors of the gym, risk is elevated. And so is the debate over where the, you, to, you should wear masks that could suction to the nose and mouth. The pharmacist, who's Victoria Williams, said, I struggle to work out in a handmade mask who is used to wearing the surgical mask on the job, said about returning to her routine at the Orange Theory Fitness in Knoxville, Tennessee. She says, I would just try and be good about breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth to forcibly force the mask back off her her face when, you know, when she exhaled. With one of the Orange Theory studio, they required masks until they didn't. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, yeah, so now, and it's an option, new safety policies that could make the CDC proud. Some of them have the, the staffers with the mask on, but, you know, not all the members are feeling it, you know. Because right. they don't want to exercise with a mask on. So it's really going back and forth, you know. And Dr. Rachel Reed, a director of the Global Fitness Science at Orange Theory Fitness, said that the franchise has the whole working out with mask things handled. Studios have coaches who are encouraging members to listen to their bodies and track their uh, physiological data to adjust to the intensity levels, like their heart rate monitors and and all of that, um, to see if there are any negative effects that members could have with reflected and elevated um, heart rate response, you know. And then I'm going to put a side thing here, too, but the latest research has shown that when they, you know, they've done research on that, does the heart rate increase and all that because of the mass and stuff, and and they haven't found any substantial evidence that ha- happens huh. right oh interesting yeah and I personally can say because with us as dancers we were forced to 
You know, we couldn't not have our mask on and our body adapted and we were doing high intensity exercise with our mask on. Okay. And not a problem. We would just take breaks to go get water breaks. But no, people, you get used to it. You get used to it. So on June 1st, the studio made all classes, though, mass optional workouts. So that's the frequently, that's what's going on now is wearing masks. Should they do it or not? And so what they're saying is masks are encouraged at the gym just because you are inside. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But some people do and some people don't. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Wear their masks. Yep. So, so that's, that means you need to protect yourself. That's exactly what that means. Exactly. So when people ask that question, yeah, you know, it's, it's really up to that person because, like you said, COVID is still here. It is. Mm-hmm. It's still here, still around. Yep, I was on the COVID floor today, and it's not zero. They still have COVID patients up there, so no. So what they're telling the owners is, you know, yeah, you have to decide whether you want it mandatory, but one thing you can do, because some people will not wear theirs, you still got to make sure you're cleaning the stations, you're rearranging the equipment to be further apart. Right. You're limiting locker use. You're still checking the gas temperatures. Yep. You you got to keep right. the place clean. You can't. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's the debate out there. <laughs> that's good. Mm-hmm. And that's hot off the press. That's hot off the press. Yep. The next one is what? Looking to tackle prescription overload. This is a big problem with you know the elderly and so forth. And it's looking to tackle prescription overload. This is another one of my big pet peeves. Older adults often take more medications than they need, mm. than it's safe. Increasingly, geriatric experts and their patients are exploring the benefits of de-prescribing. The last straw for Leslie Hawkins was her mother's 93rd birthday gathering in 2018. Her mother, Mary Harrison, had long contended with multiple health problems, including diabetes and the nerve pain it can cause, hypertension, anxiety, and some cognitive decline. She was prone to falling. Still, she had been a sociable, church-going, non-genarian until Miss Hawkins, who cared for her in their shared home in Tacoma Park, Maryland, began seeing disturbing changes. She was out of it, said Miss Hawkins, who's 57. She couldn't hold a conversation to even finish a sentence, and on her mother's birthday, she said a bunch of us went to Olive Garden, and Mommy sat there asleep, slumped over in the wheelchair. I decided no. Mm. Hawkins and one of her brothers took her mother to the geriatrician at Johns Hopkins, where she could supply only three correct answers on the 30-question test commonly used to assess dementia. She didn't really participate, said the doctor. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, Ms. Hawkins had brought a list of 14 meds Ms. Harrison was taking, several of which alarmed her new doctor. I started tipping away at them, said Dr. Stephanie Nothel. Mm. She recommended stopping oxybutynin, prescribed to treat an overactive bladder because it's notorious for precipitating delirium and causing confusion in older adults. She also eliminates pain medicine, tramadol, which has similar effects and contributes to unsteadiness and falls. The next visit in three months, Dr. Nothel told the family they would discuss stopping gabapentin for neuropathy, mm. diabetes medi- medication that lowered Ms. Carrick's blood sugar to unnecessary levels, and a reflux drug that nobody could remember her needing. I mean, this is just classic. The follow-up visit did not happen as scheduled. 
There we go. Miss Harrison fell and broke her hip at 90-some years old, requiring surgery and six weeks in rehab. Still, her daughter had gotten the message. Her mother's many drugs might be harming her. I went online and looked up everything, and I started questioning the doctor. 14 prescriptions. Mm. And the doctor says that's pretty common for older adults. The phenomenon is called polypharmacy, sometimes defined as taking five or more medications, as two-thirds of older people do. More broadly, polypharmacy refers to an increasing overload of drugs that may not benefit the patient or interact well with one another and may cause falls, cognitive impairment, hospitalization, and even death. Mm. It has sparked interest in deprescribing, the practice in which doctors and patients regularly review their meds, regimens, to prune away risky or unnecessary drugs. For older patients, the most commonly prescribed inappropriate meds proton pump inhibitors like Nexium, Prilosec, the benzodiazepines, Xanax, and Ativan, the tricyclic antidepressants, according to an analysis of Medicare data published last year. Over-the-counter products and supplements can also be problematic. We spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions, hundreds of millions every year to bring meds to market and figure out what, to figure out when to start using them and next to nothing trying to figure out when to stop and said Dr. Caleb Alexander, an internist and epidemiologist at Johns Hopkins. Yet among older people, adverse drug reactions account for one in 11 hospital admissions. So hence the drive to prescribe, to be prescribed campaign launched last month by the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine, known as AMDA, which represents medical directors and administrators of long-term care facilities where polypharmacy is particularly prevalent. The initiative calls for 25% reduction in meds used within a year, med use within a year with AMDA monitoring results. An ambitious goal, said Dr. Sabine von Chris Friedman, co-chair of the Drive to Be Prescribed Work Group. But if you do a little here and a little there, you don't move the needle. To date, 2,000 facilities have enrolled along with three major consulting pharmacies that serve them. That represents a fraction of the nation's 15,000 nursing homes where several large chains unrepresented, but we are still recruiting, Dr. Mm. Von Preston said. Another milestone in polypharmacy battle, the U.S. Prescribing Research Network, established in 2019 and funded by the National Institute on Aging, so far, it has awarded nine grants to test effective deprescribing strategies. Stopping a medication is not just the reverse of starting one, said Dr. Michael Steinman, a geriatrician at the University of California, San Francisco, and co-director of the network. It's often much harder. The barriers reflect a fragmented healthcare system in which the patient's endocrinologist, for example, pays scant attention to what a cardiologist and neurologist have prescribed, while her primary care doctor has to overrule any of them. Case the other day. A friend of mine went in, uh, the orthopedic surgeon gave her some prednisone, didn't bother to have her blood sugar check. She comes in the hospital, blood sugar over 500, and ended up in the hospital because orthopedic surgeon did not, you know, mm. interact with the patient's interns. It happens all the time. Deprescribing discussions also require time, a luxury during a brief office visit mm -hmm. with a senior who may have many competing needs. There's a general bias towards doing things in medicine. Dr. Ariel Green, a geriatrician researcher at Hopkins, if we prescribe something, that's seen as a positive act. If we stop something or don't start it, that's not. He's right. Wow. So, Persia can easily take over with prescriptions being
being refilled year after year without anybody wanting to know why they were written in the first place, whether one drug duplicates another, or whether, again, I'm going to add whether there are any drug drugs in Iraq. And I know your, your honey sweet would love to be on the phone with me talking about this. We'd be preaching. Mm-hmm. We'd be preaching. Mm-hmm. Many older adults say they are willing to reduce their meds according to a 2018 study published in JAMA, Internal Medicine, the Journal of the American Medical Association. Yet, paradoxically, participants also said that all their medications were necessary. They don't know. <laughs> Seniors may resist, be prescribing, unwilling to see a drug routine they have been accustomed to for years as dangerous. It's true. It, huh? How do we talk about taking fewer meds without it looking like we're withdrawing care? or like a person isn't worthy of the treatment. That's the problem, too, Dr. Green said. Her own studies indicate that older patients respond well to discussions focusing on the side effects of the drug. A dispiriting number of interventions aimed at deprescribing have had little impact, according to a review of 38 studies published last year. But one recent Canadian clinical trial showed significant results. Study enlisted pharmacists who handle or mail patients a deprescribing brochure before refilling certain risky prescriptions. Pharmacists also contacted the prescribing doctors with forms explaining why the drugs may be harmful, providing safer alternatives, and allowing doctors to change or eliminate prescriptions by simply checking a box. Let me just share this with you. Doctors don't know either. They don't know what the drug-drug interactions are. They have no idea. In six months, 43% of those using sedative hypnotic drugs like the benzodiazepines and the Ambien, you know, that's drug where people walk in their feet, mm-hmm. were able to discontinue them. So with so were 30% of the patients using the older diabetes drugs like glibderide, 57% of those non-steroidal anti-inflammatories of the NSAIDs. It was spectacular, said Dr. Kara Tannenbaum, a geriatrician from the University of Montreal and senior author on the study. Now she added, how do we scale it up and get it out of research projects and into everyday practice? One way is for patients themselves to combat polypharmacy by asking their doctors to reassess their meds. Now, that's going to take time, which the doctors don't have. Sometimes mm. bringing every pill bottle in, and that'll drive the doctor crazy. I mean, I'm just telling you, they will roll their eyes when they see the patient coming in with a, a pot full of medications and want them discussed, including over-the-counter supplements, with a lot, which a lot of patients fail to talk about, mm-hmm. a short list of potentially inappropriate drugs published by the American Geriatric Society can help them spot problems. That is essentially what Leslie Hawkins did for her mother. Every time she had a health care interaction, she said, do we need this? Can we lower this? Can we stop this? That's what it means, Vicki, to be an advocate. Okay. Definitely, definitely. Ten months passed before Ms. Harrison could see her geriatrician again, and by then, she was a completely different person. She was awake, she answered questions. It was night and day. Ms. Harrison's score on the 30-question cognition test jumped from 3 to 25. She's starting physical therapy to improve her mobility. She's taking four drugs, insulin, blood pressure medication, and two antidepressants instead of 14. Ms. Harrison, now 95, still needs considerable assistance, but at her 94th birthday celebration in a downtown Washington, D.C. restaurant with 20 family members, including her great-grandchildren, she was the life of the party, her daughter said. We had a ball. And this, this is what I have said. This is my mantra. This is my soapbox. Okay. Doctors are killing people. Mm-hmm. And most patients stay alive in spite of us. This article is my 
soapbox. And you know, I'm sure you, you know, you, your, your father, brother Bill is. Oh, my mother. Hey, let me tell you, we went through the same thing. I'm one bubble. I'm one bubble short of. So I mean, yeah. The doctors do not know. I'm telling you, they don't know the drug drug interaction. They're just quick to prescribe, free and free. Well, well, I'm telling you, we went through that with Brother Bill. He was up there shaking and carrying on like he had Parkinson's. So I told Ma, um, I was like, does he really have Parkinson's? Well, you know, and because of, you know, brain injury and all that. But, yeah, come to find out it was some type of interaction with another medication. Yeah. There you have it, with your own dad. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and and this this concept of the doctor sitting down and going over every medicine, first of all, they don't know the drug-drug interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And fortunately now with some pharmacists, when I notice when I get some of my medications, mm-hmm. they will have on there or they will call me, but maybe it's because I'm a doctor. They say, well, Dr. Banks, you don't want to take that because that interacts with so-and-so and so-and-so. You have to rely on your pharmacist. And they're becoming more... Your physician. Well, they putting that... The pharmacists are putting... A lot of that, when you get the medications now, I yeah. see that they put a lot of the side effects and the interactions and, and stuff now. And they need to because yeah. they know. Mm-hmm. We don't. They know and we don't. And I'm going to say that I'm casting a wide net because many of us don't. We have to rely on the pharmacist to tell about some drugs. I mean, there's some antibiotics that I have people on. That maybe, let's say, Dr. Nate might not know that there's some obscure side effect that might interact with one of his hypertension medicines. Well, I can't expect him to know every antibiotic. Mm-hmm. He couldn't expect me to know every antihypertensive. That's why I rely, and I know he does too, on our pharmacy. That's it. And then people, people like you said, those that are that are with our loved ones. You know, if something's not not right, then we need to question. Exactly. So often what happens, you get pushed back from the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get pushed back. They'll get an attitude of this, that, and the other. And I tell patients, well, you know, your physician doesn't take a doesn't take an attitude when it's time for you to pay the bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't see them getting an attitude of pushing back when it's time for that bill that they've submitted to you that is supposed to be paid. That's it. So these are the things you have to think about, you know. Right. And it's important as we talk and Nate talks about that, too. When it comes to your health and well-being, that's why it's important to exercise and eat right so that when you do go in for your medication, it's not the highest dose. And you don't need this for that and for this and that. Because once you take all those medications, they're going to interfere with something. Exactly. You lose that 10 pounds or 15 pounds, so you don't have to take that diabetes medication. Exactly. That 15 pounds or 20 pounds, so you can get off those antihypertensive medications. Right. Of your diabetic foot infection early, so that you don't have to be on long-term antibiotics. Do some preventive yes. health and wellness. Yes. Some preventive health and wellness. Because that's important. That's important. That's the key. That's the key. That's the key. Yeah. We can't change our genetics. We can't. We can't change our age, but we can do some things to change our health. We can change our health. We can change our environment. We have a little bit more control of our environment. Right. Yes, exactly. 
And if you're in that mindset, it can be done. And it's it's a lot of the little things, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's the little things. Yes, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, D, we gonna close our talk because this was okay. great. This was great, and this ends our show today. Yeah, this was excellent yes. today. This ends our show. Do you have something to to, to tell us? Well, just a couple things to touch on. Number one, I want to go back to encourage everyone because certainly when you hear this podcast, I don't think that we will have herd immunity in this country or globally. So I still want to encourage everybody out there in podcast land. Please get vaccinated if you have not been. Please get vaccinated. Again, I think this polypharmacy thing, you know, all of us, many of us at a certain age and what we call that sandwich generation, mm. have to take care of our, fam- our parents and our children. Mm-hmm. They're in between. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, and people are living longer, and that's good. But you have to also be an advocate for them because just like we saw in this, the lady fell and had a, a broken hip. Well, that could lead to the slippery slope down of death. So please be a, a patient advocate for your loved one and question the physicians and rely on your pharmacist to help you with drug-drug interactions and so forth. So that's what I would have to say. And like I will add to it, as we said before, listen, it's important that you walk, you, you, you get up, even if you, if you can't walk but just a little bit, walk outside, down your driveway. Right. Or in or up the street and back in place. Some people, only thing they can do is walk in place. Do that while you watch TV. Walk, walk, walk. We're encouraging people that's doing something and some kind of exercise. And you'd be surprised. You'll feel better. Exactly. You will feel yeah. better. Yes. And as always, folks, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, If you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.